This is the Pain Information Network. Welcome, everybody. This is the second episode of the Pain Information Network. Uh, this is a place where we meet and we talk about subjects that uh, affect us, affect loved ones, that are important to our lives and the lives of others. Um, I'm really excited today because Andrea Trescott, MD, is uh, joining us. She's a practicing physician in Alaska, and she's world-class. She's been practicing for over 20 years. I've known her well over a decade. She's sought after as an educator and author. She's a thought leader, and she's our female health editor. Her, Her credentials will be posted in the show notes. Now, as a standard disclaimer, we're going to be talking about informational items. This is an informational show. You should talk to a qualified uh, physician about your particular situation, and we really help to get the the conversation going, but um, seek help with appropriate individuals. Um, We're not talking about treating here. We're talking about information, but it's exciting for us, and we hope we make a difference. So this is a new show, and it, it it's really going to help us if you could leave a review at iTunes. This this is kind of our gasoline for the engine. It keeps us going. It helps us understand how we can help you. Uh, and you can also contact us at paininformation.com. You can leave information there about yourself or leave feedback, suggestions for topics, and uh, we'll read these. Um, we probably can't respond to many by email. We probably can't respond to some in particular due to privacy laws. But we um, will be prodded for shows information and to be forward thinking. Um, we'll also be including in the network uh, fibromyalgia, what me or the world according to me. And uh, probably we're going to uh, expand into so many other important uh, aspects of pain, mostly spine. We'll have a spine editor. And we'll talk about cutting-edge technologies and things that that you can at least start looking at on Google searches or start thinking about, uh, I'm not sure I was told right about me. I don't have to live with pain. There's something that can be done about it. And I'm, I'm excited to have Andrea on. Let's go ahead and get her on. Well, it's really exciting for me today. I'm going to introduce you to Andrew Trescott, MD, a practicing physician in Alaska. How exciting is that? Tell us a little about yourself, Andrea. Thanks, Hans, for inviting me on today. Well, as you know, we've been since we've been colleagues now for, gosh, a ton of years, more than a decade, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I started out in private practice in Jacksonville and then got recruited to the University of Florida to run their pain fellowship program. And then got recruited to the University of Washington in Seattle, so cross country there, uh, where I was ended up being a full professor in the Department of Anesthesia and Pain Medicine and the director of their pain fellowship program there. And then got lured up to Alaska, where I have a private practice, three clinics, um, and then just lecturing all over the world. It's been a, uh, a lot of fun. That's an exciting career. You were also a military uh, physician and... Uh you had a rather exciting career there as well. Yeah, I had 12 years in the Navy um, and j- then joined the Navy. I had joined the Navy to see the world, and they sent me 
uh, only 50 miles from where I grew up, but yeah. I got a chance to do some volunteer work around the world um, at the behest of the Navy and actually ended up with the person in the Navy with the most experience in their field anesthesia machine because I used it in Colombia and in Liberia. So I got to teach all the docs who were going off to Desert Storm how to use this anesthesia machine. That's cool. Back in the days, <laughs> well, back in the days I was actually doing anesthesia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're full-time pain now, and, you know, pain is like being a little pregnant. You're either doing it or not. You know, hybrid pain management isn't always ideal. Now, tell us where you're going to be in the next couple of weeks. Well, let's see. I've got a lecture in uh, Texas and then Sicily and then Brazil and then um, – where am I going after that? I've just got back from <laughs> Budapest. Uh, it's been it's a sort of a whirlwind um, stuff. I'm working, uh, as you know, because we were both members of the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, and have both been presidents of that organization. Yeah, I think that we, puts us in a very rare, a very rare group. Quite but, an honor. Uh, yeah, and uh, so I'm spending a lot of time now with the World Institute of Pain, doing international um, work. And um, I'm now the chairman of their education committee. So yeah, you're head of uh, certification too, aren't you? Correct. So yeah. we're um, setting up training programs all over the world. The first one we did was in Brazil, um, where we're training doctors. Uh, and now we're going to be. I'm going to be. Our next one target is South Africa. So lots Very of fun. Cool. Very cool. Well, today's topic is going to be headaches. Um, You're the woman's health editor. I really yucked you up uh, on the intro here. Uh, I I think that's kind of exciting to have a specialty editor because women's health issues, particularly in pain medicine uh, in general and in specific, uh, are often somewhat uh, disregarded. Um, Some of the things you can't see, touch, feel, or measure such as headaches and fibromyalgia, just don't get their due. And you've given them what they need, and you could educate so many that uh, just because you can't um, see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It can be debilitating. And you know headaches change quality of life, and they're associated with morbidity, uh, a lot of lost work. And there's a way to handle these things and, and get back your life. So let's talk about them. Is there any difference between headaches and migraines? You know, that's sort of a common misconception that there is that you have um, something that is outside the skull or inside the skull. And the thought has always been that migraines are treated by neurologists and that they're an inside the skull blood vessel headache. The problem is, is we're finding that many, many, many of the nerve entrapments that occur outside the skull are also um associated with blood vessels, but because they're outside the skull, we can actually get to them. And because we can get to them, we can actually do something about it. And so it's a um, a really important um, issue because what happens is instead of just trying to to give somebody medicines, we can actually figure out what the problem is, treat it, and then make the pain go away. And it's extremely exciting and extremely rewarding. So a patient that I had yesterday who came in with the sunglasses on, had been uh, headaches for 10 years. I did some injections in the back of her scalp, what's called an occipital nerve block. And it was stunning. She lifted her head up, opened her eyes and went, 
oh my God, oh my God, and started crying because the headache was gone for the first time in 10 years. So I think it's really just been what's so exciting about this. People who have been blown off, their MRIs are normal. Thank God, because it means they don't have a brain tumor. Um, But, you know, their MRIs are normal. They haven't responded to standard medications. And the thing about headaches is that it, because often people don't know what triggers them, they can't predict when they're going to happen. And so they stay in this state of constant fear that the headache is going to occur. Exactly. And as a result, they don't do social activities. They can't plan anything because they don't know when the headache is going to strike. And so then they start trying to change diet and they, they end up painting themselves in this little box with so very little in the way of activity that become basically housebound and or if they are trying to work they have what we call presenteeism they're actually there at work but because they're hurting um they don't they're not doing the job for which they're being paid and so it's a problem for employers it's yeah, a great, it's a great pre- term presenteeism i'm going to quote you on that <laughs> please do that's yeah, great well <clears throat> you know the, the problem i see is there's a pill or there's something for headaches that somebody else wants to give you and by the time we see them they're into pills or something else and they're afraid not to have it and you know if you start taking things away in their best interest uh, sometimes barbiturates would be the one that would come to mind there's a panic and uh, you have other ways of treating these headaches so tell me a little bit about cervicogenic headaches well, I was going to mention. I was going to make a comment about the the medication headaches um, that you brought up because it's an extremely important point. Because with, it turns out that many of the headaches medicines that are used to treat headaches, and we'll use furanol, furacet as an example. That's a barbiturate called butalbital and caffeine, and then either aspirin for the furanol or Tylenol for the furacet. Well, it turns out that. We know caffeine withdrawal causes a headache. Anybody who's ever been a coffee drinker knows if you miss a, your morning cup of coffee, it gives you a headache. And in fact, they've identified that many of the people who have headaches after surgery are having headaches because of caffeine withdrawal, which they proved because they gave caffeine intraoperatively and the patients didn't have the headaches. So here, when you stop taking the furanol, the furanol or furacet, you get a withdrawal from the caffeine. And butalbital is extremely well known for causing Um, headaches when you stop taking it. It's what we call a withdrawal headache or a rebound headache. So they're taking the medicine to treat the headache, and then when they try to stop the medicine, they get worse headaches, so they take more medicine. And so you end up in this very vicious cycle. So absolutely, one of the hallmarks of treating these medication misuse headaches is to try and get people off the medicine. But what I found is that you you have to transition them. You can't just take it away. It's like trying to pull a toy away from a kid, a dangerous toy away from a kid. You have to be able to give them something else in return. So I tend to try and wean people off of their medicines by giving them something else uh, that is treating the headaches more specifically. So that's when we, we switch over to that concept of the cervicogenic headaches, because it turns out that 
Um, not only can you get headaches from the nerves over the eyes and in the temples and in the back of the head, but you can get headaches from the structures that are in the neck. And that's what the term cervicogenic means. Cervico meaning cer- the neck or cervical, cervix, cervical area, not to be confused with cervix, um, the opening <laughs> of the uterus. Um, uh, we'll try not cervic- to confuse yeah, those. We're trying to confuse those. Um, but you'll also have the problems with the joints in the neck called facets, the ligaments in the neck that hold the bones together, and the discs between the bones that act as the shock absorbers. And then um, also the muscles that are holding the head up, the trapezius, the levator, the multifidus, those are all muscles that will hold the head up, and then some that run from the back of the head to the front, the sternocleidomastoid or SCM muscle, is another one that's very commonly associated with headaches. What do you do about these? I mean, well, yeah, I'm, I know there's a number of treatments, but I know you are proficient <laughs> in making the diagnosis, so take it from there. Well, that's the key is making the diagnosis, and I think that's the problem with headache management in general has been the thought that headache is the disease, but it's really the symptom. So if we said you had a fever, there are lots of causes of a fever, and a bacterial fever will get better with antibiotics, uh, but a viral fever will not. And so giving, giving the wrong medicine to the wrong patient for the wrong treatment can't possibly work. So you can't treat what you can't diagnose. And the very first thing that we look at doing is something very unique these days in medicines is that we actually lay hands on the patient. We actually feel the areas. No, so stop. Actually, really? You know, we do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I know when I'm treating low back pain, and I'll have somebody say, I've seen eight different surgeons, and you're the first one who ever laid hands on my back. You know, we're talking so, about rule two now. You know, you first have to have a diagnosis. That's rule two. We went through the five rules uh, the first good. episode. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, no, your five rules are, are ones that I live by. So you have to have a diagnosis, and headaches are not a diagnosis. They're a symptom. So we start out, actually, with a history. Um, a doctor named Stahl, uh, Adrian Stahl, said that the diagnosis is hidden in the history and Um, evaluated by the physical exam. And so the history to me is very important. And we actually start, how did they start? Where did they go? What makes them better? What makes them worse? What makes them better? Uh, What have you tried? What's worked? What's not worked? Those are all very important pieces of information, but probably the most important is how it first started and where the headaches first occur. So headaches that start in the temple um, may be the auricular temporal nerve, and the patients will be exquisitely tender right in their temple area. And this is the headache that often wakes people up at four o'clock in the morning because they'll be clenching or, or bruxing, grinding their teeth. And this nerve runs through the temporalis muscle. And if you just put your fingers in your temple and clench your teeth, you'll feel that muscle contract. And so what happens is in the middle of the night, the patient's clenching their teeth, it bangs this nerve, and it lies wrapped around the temporal artery. So the nerve gets swollen, it's in a canal with the artery, and bam, 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 the throbbing headache that wakes the patient up in the morning. Those are are just like cluster, but you you just, they come on and they're relentless. And patients sometimes are even a little suicidal. Um, Yeah. And the They're problem horrible. is once it starts, um, it's, it's very difficult to get them to shut down. Just like once you set a fire, even if you blow out the match, you haven't put the fire out. And so the mat, there striking the match is the clenching, 
But once the patient wakes up with a headache, the, the fire is full blown. So there, sometimes it's um, we can do some very simple things. That, for instance, if you put your front, put your fingers in your temples and and clench, okay, so you can feel that muscle. Now put your front teeth together, and try and clench, and you can't, can you? And so that we put people in what's called an anterior occlusion splint, which prevents them from being able to clench. A regular mouth guard won't do it because you can still clench through a regular mouth guard. And so sometimes it's as simple as identifying what it is that that is triggering the problem. Um, well, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a real good segue here. Uh, we'd be remiss to talk about headaches without talking about what red flags are for headaches because – a headache, uh, like you said, can be a symptom, and so, it could be a symptom for some bad stuff. So there are a couple of, of red flags that um, really need to be brought to your provider's attention immediately because this suggests that it's a more serious problem. So one of them is certainly somebody who's had headaches, but the character of the, or the location of the headaches has changed. So just because you have a history of headaches doesn't mean that you can't have a new cause of headaches. So if they've changed, um, you need to bring it to your doctor's attention immediately. Uh, If this is a headache that is worse with exercise or um, when leaning your head down or um, the... Uh, sometimes the wake up in the morning headaches, but certainly the ones that increase with exercise are worrisome for there being a problem with an increased pressure inside the, the skull. Uh, yeah, other and, the, and the worst headaches you've ever had in your life, bam, and, it comes on. Yeah. Or you, thund- you'd start to get a little droop or something. Talk about that. Yeah, so the what we call the thunderclap headache. You're going along, and then all of a sudden, just this excruciating headache, the worst headache of your life. We worried that that might be a leaking blood vessel or what's called a subarachnoid hemorrhage, and that could be absolutely devastating. Um, and, uh, it's life-threatening. Can cause, yeah. yeah, it can cause uh, severe paralysis or, pot- or potentially even death. So that needs to go, may, go immediately to the emergency room. And then um, headaches that are associated with fever. Um, if you have other underlying um, his, uh, histories, so if you have a history of diabetes, for instance, and an infection, and now you, you develop a headache, that would be worrisome for an infection that has traveled inside the brain. And then, as you also said, um, a headache that's associated with any muscle weakness or facial drooping or trouble speaking or trouble thinking implies that there may be a lack of blood flow to the brain, and that needs to be um, that's probably a, a reason to go yeah. immediately to the emergency room. Or a mass or something like that. And yeah, comment a little bit about, you said uh, they, it can be a symptom. You know, common things are common. We don't necessarily want to uh, lead people to believe that headaches are uh, a danger signal, but they can't be ignored. And, and particularly something as simple as hypertension. You know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so anything that increases the pressure inside the skull um, will potentially cause a headache, and hypertension is one of those. So it, if the, you know somebody who's had the same sort of headache for 15 years, clearly it's not a 
brain tumor that's causing the problem. And so those patients, we usually don't image inside the brain very much. But we do look at the places where um, imaging is important or things like in the neck to identify if there might be a problem there. And any of the red flags, um, we, for instance, um, one of my neurology, one of the residents in neurology that was rotating with me recently had been in a skiing accident. Not very bad, just a little tumble. Um, and then a couple of days to a week or so later started developing a, a new headache right over his eye. And it, it started getting mm, worse. And, of course, yeah. he's a neurology resident, and everybody sort of blows him off. He's just stressed because of the residency. But we ended up getting a MRI, a MRI of his neck, and it turned out that he had a vertebral artery um, tear. And yeah. so and it's getting a vertebral artery wow. repair. So those new-onset headaches need to be um, better evaluated. And um, so the – but I actually believe that headaches – that are untreated become that are acute. I mean, a chronic, sorry, episodic headaches that are untreated become chronic headaches. And almost all of my chronic daily headache patients started out with headaches when they were five years old that were untreated or inadequately treated. So I do believe that e that even if you're having headaches more than um, certainly more than once a month and probably more than every couple of months, you, you need to be evaluated and considered for more effective therapy. Well, that's great. So, all right. So we're interventional pain doctors and really we are a broad brush stroke. We, we do a lot. We don't just do interventions or uh, injections. We also treat pharmacologically. When, when are you going to need to see someone like us? Well, the I think the patient who's certainly the patient who's having more than um, six headaches a month needs to be on medicines to try and prevent headaches rather than being on medicines to only block them. So we have what we call abortive medicines. So you have a headache and then you take a medicine and it helps it. Those are fine if what you have is a, you know, a headache very rarely. But if you're having frequent headaches, then you need to really have treatment that would prevent the headaches from occurring. And some of those we found out just by chance. So we would put patients on a blood pressure medicine like propranolol, and lo and behold, some of those patients would have an improvement in their headaches. Or we would put somebody on amitriptyline for depression, and lo and behold, some of those patients got better. So there are medications that we can use. I tell you, though, as an interventionalist, there's nothing more exciting than being able to doing an injection and having the headache go away almost before the needle's out of their head, because that does a couple of things. It confirms the diagnosis immediately. It delivers medicine directly on that area. Um, and it convinces the patient that I know what it is that's causing the problem. So if I told them they needed to drink camel piss, I think they would do it because they now know that that's exactly what the problem is. And um, it gives me a direction of long-term treatment. So if that injection helped only temporarily, there are a wide variety of other things that we can potentially do. So if it's a nerve that's causing the problem, I can freeze the nerve. If it's a joint in the neck, the facet that's causing the problem, I can do a radiofrequency. If it's a problem with the muscle, I can do botulism to toxin or Botox. And in fact, um, you know that the plastic surgeons were doing Botox for the forehead, and lo and behold, a group of patients got better from their headaches. Well, it turns out those are the patients who had entrapment of those frontalis muscles muscles from, um, uh, from contraction of the um, corrugator muscles. So you relax those muscles with Botox and lo and behold, they're quote unquote migraine. 
uh, went away. And so, unfortunately, most of the neurologists really don't, didn't understand that and still don't. And so what they've done is they've been looking at doing Botox sort of all over the head. And there are people who actually will put a, gra- I mean, a, a grid and do medicine here, 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 right. here, here, here. And they'll do sometimes four vials of medicine um, at $500, $600 of sale for a medicine that we know only lasts for three months without having any idea what it is they're actually treating. So, But if we've identified that it's the sternocleidomastoid muscle or the trapezius muscle, then this is an excellent opportunity to be able to put effective medicine on there. And then there's one that I'm finding an awful lot on the flexion extension injuries, people who are injured in a car accident or a slip and fall. It is that the ligament that holds the spine together has gotten ripped. And so the ligament's no longer holding up that 12-pound head. And as the head bends forward, it becomes the equivalent of almost 60 pounds. The muscles go into spasm to try and pull the head back up, and they trap the occipital nerve in the back of the head. And so as a result, what you get is this, you can treat the occipital nerve, you can do Botox in the muscles, but if you haven't treated the underlying problem, with the, which is the ligament, then you're not going to do any good. So we now look at things, um, a whole uh, host of types of injections of what we call regenerative injection therapy. And that might include prolotherapy or stem cell factors or platelet-rich plasma or even stem cells out of your own bone marrow or um, adipose tissue. And then we've also got uh, a variety of techniques like sp- um, spinal cord stimulators or occipital stimulators. That, so these are devices that can be placed underneath the skin and hooked up to a generator to, ex- to exchange pain for tingling. Well, this so, been, yeah, this has just like been one of those uh, fantastically tough subjects to uh, talk about because it's so big. I mean, this... This uh, subject line deserves another podcast, don't you think? I'd be glad to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I appreciate your time. We're going to let you go. But I'm looking forward to Andrea uh, Trescott talking about uh, pelvic pain. She's got a fantastic uh, discussion about that, approaches to fibromyalgia, regenerative medicine, which she just touched on. I want that to be an entire podcast because regenerative medicine is the future. Would you say so? I'd say so. Absolutely. It's a future. I've been doing it for 20 years, and it turns out that just about every patient I see, I can trace back to a ligamentous problem. And of all the, of the only patients that I've ever truly fixed, ever truly cured, have been the ones that have been done with regenerative medicine. Incredible. Well, once again, thanks for coming on board. And from me in North Carolina to you in Alaska, um, keep you know keep warm. Yeah, keep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I heard this morning you had a uh, view of Mount McKinley out your window. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. Well, actually, now Denali. Denali. Uh, us, us and the No have always Denali. called her, Denali, but now she's officially Denali, and she's just in the most majestic mountain you've just about ever seen. So she towers over wow. the whole landscape of a of an amazing landscape of mountains and um, just some of the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen. I'm a, you know, I'm a flatlander from Florida, but I have just fallen in love with this city, with this, with this country and this state. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm originally from Colorado. I get it. I really get it. Now, listen, you send us a picture and we'll post it on paininformation.com. Because we all want to see uh, what's out your window. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you t- what's that? Thanks. 
Thanks for including me. I you, appreciate yeah, you bet. You just have some safe trips you got coming up. I mean, you're going. You're a world class traveler too. So <laughs> it's not the age; it's the mileage. Just say hi to everybody. Y'all have a good day. Well, that was, that was fantastic, Andrea. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, having a woman's health editor like that is uh, special for any uh, medical show, but someone as knowledgeable as hers, uh, her uh, depth and breadth of the field of pain medicine, medicine in general, is, uh, is rare, <laughs> and uh, we're lucky to have her. Um, you heard two rules. You heard two of the rules, and... We're going to be referencing those five rules. We're going to keep going back to it. You heard the rule number two, you have to have a diagnosis. And rule number four, know thy meds. And we talked a little bit about Botox and some of the other medicines. Now, these are critical. These, these medicines are critical to the care of headaches. And uh, many of the painful entities that we all suffer from at least once or twice in our life. Well, what, what you also heard was a little puppy in the background. It's a rescue. That's little Abby. A rainy day today. She's a visual. She wants to go outside, but I, d- I decided not to take it out. We could have edited it out, but I'm, you know, it's it's a human thing. Uh, little puppies and humans want to interact, and they want to they want to have a great time together. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end here. And I'm gonna go see the little pups, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Don't forget to leave a um, review at iTunes. It really helps us, please. And uh, we look forward to the next episode. Each ep- episode is going to probably be more and more in-depth. Next episode, we're going to add a uh, section on Rule 4 where we're going to talk about some common medications. Everybody wants to know about opioids. Everyone wants to know about non-narcotic medication alternatives. Everyone, to know, everyone wants to know what's out there. And we brought up stem cells a little today. We're going to have a whole podcast on that. You'll be, you'll be pretty stunned to hear what uh, is in the future. So thanks for coming, and we appreciate uh, your uh, support and, and your feedback.